1 Corinthians 9, 16, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. He says, though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Tonight I believe that the Lord would like to speak to us about turning poor me into woe is me. Turning poor me into woe is me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity we have to gather. And at this time, I pray that each and every heart that is hearing this message will be open and receptive to the word that you have for the body. I pray, Lord, that we will receive it. I pray, Lord, that we will be transformed by it. Help me as the speaker delivering this message to be led of the Holy Ghost. And I pray let it be your word, not man's opinion, not man's word, but the word of God. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Amen. You know, there's, <clears throat> there's one, two, three, four four empty boxes up here guys close these are expensive seats up here thank you sister brown by the way i did not tell her that she had to sit close it was her choice she said that on sunday the noise the sound quality was a little less than par on sunday i think it's better tonight uh, but on sunday she was sitting over there where <laughs> where our picnic setup is and um, she she all she heard on Sunday during my message was that the Lord needs more black pots I said at no point did I say those words but that's what she heard sitting over there so she said I made up my mind I'm gonna hear what the message is tonight so she's front and center we are living in some unusual times. It really goes without saying. We are just living in bizarre times. And uh, to be quite honest, and I, I've probably said this before, but to be quite honest, there is a part of me that is just kind of waiting for all this to be over to kind of get back to normal. And, uh, you know, lots of comments have been made about the year 2020. I, I was actually kidding with some friends of mine because, you know, more news is coming out and this and that and this and that. And, of course, we've had some really uh, good laughs after lots of tears about our, our personal epidemic of bug bites. And, you know, it just I'm adding it to the list of things that are happening in 2020. And I, I told one of my friends, I said, our New Year's Eve theme, our New Year's Eve service theme, I've already got it. For those that will make it that far, the theme will be, I survived. I survived. If the Lord should tarry and we survive, that's going to be the theme of New Year's Eve church service. But I have noticed that... Um, these times that we're living through right now, there have been uh, certain things that I personally have felt and also that I have observed 
not just in the body of Christ, but outside the body of Christ, I've observed the certain things, and, and one of those things is that I find that one of the prevailing points of view or one of the prevailing sentiments in this season is poor me. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself that if I'm not careful, I could slide into this thought or this point of view where it's, it's, it's saying nobody has it as bad as I've got it right now. Or nobody understands what I'm going through. You look outside of your bubble and you see, you know, they've got this advantage and, and they've got this advantage and, and they've got this going on and they, they still have their job intact and they're, they're married or they've got a home and I don't, you know, and we've got all of these things and I have found that there is this trap that is very easy to fall into or fall prey to. It is a poor me mentality. And I believe that the Lord would like to wake us up before we settle into becoming victims long term of a poor me mentality that is self-convinced that nobody has it as bad as you and nobody understands what you're going through. Church family, tonight it's time for us to check our attitude. Somebody say amen besides Brother Parker. Here's a question for you. Have we been making excuses for ourselves lately? These are some indicators that we might have slipped into a poor me mentality. Have we been making excuses for ourselves lately in saying things like this? Yeah, I'm a little behind in my Bible reading. To which I would ask, what exactly do you mean by a little behind? Does it mean, if you're honest, that you're behind to the point that you haven't touched the Word of God for days or even weeks? A little behind. A little behind. I'm making excuses. Or maybe it's something like this. If someone was to ask you about, how's your prayer life? Or how you doing with your prayer life? where you would respond with something like this. You know, I, I talk to God all through the day, and I'm, you know, I'm always thinking about Him, and just, you know, we're close like that. When really you know just as well as I that that's probably a, an excuse. You're, you're trying to sidestep really giving an honest answer. Listen, I want to say it is great that you talk to Jesus all day long. It is great that you think about the Lord all day long. But can you give me a clear answer on where you are praying, when you are praying, how you are praying, how long you are praying, and what the Lord is saying to you when you're praying? If you really don't have actual answers to, to those questions, the reality is we probably are not giving God just the due diligence He deserves that time that he deserves. We are making excuses. Of course, prayer and Bible reading are two topics among many others that I could probably bring up. You know, it's kind of like 
just how about faithfulness? And we can make excuses whether we're having in-person service or you're watching service online. Are we making excuses and exceptions? And that's really my next question. Have we been making exceptions lately? Stay with me tonight. Have you been making excuses for the lack of prayer, the lack of Bible study, the lack of Bible reading, the lack of faithfulness? And secondly, are you making exceptions? Let me just kind of make it plain. Are you allowing things into your life that you and I, if we're honest with each other, we both know they are toxic? They are toxic. Maybe you've said something like this. I just want to not think for a while. And so you decide to binge watch something that is quote unquote entertaining. And you might even say, sure, it, it probably includes some foul language and maybe some inappropriate or immoral content, but hey, that's, you know, that's real life. You know, that's, that's what real life is like, right? Listen to your pastor church tonight. The adversary of your soul would like to have just any foothold, any crevice, any way into your life at all. And let me inform you if you do not already know or remind you if you did and forgot. He is hoping, he is hoping that you will not or that you will want to not think. Those two words. He's hoping that you will want to not think for any amount of time. Why? Because that means your guard is down. That means your filter has been turned off. Listen, there's not one episode of one single show or film that comes out of Hollywood that is not saturated with premeditated philosophies and agendas by its producers, for good or for bad, educational purposes or sinful purposes. I promise you, listen, just consider the investment of time and finances that go into making those shows or making that movie. They're not going to do it without communicating something that they believe in. And so for us to say that we could simply listen to music or watch something and just turn off our brains for a while, that's exactly what the enemy's hoping for. So that you could turn off the filter, let your guard down, and allow something to slip into your life that will begin to change your thought life and cause you to conform to the world. You see, my point here in this is... is just ask yourself these questions. Have I been making excuses for the lack of what needs to be in my life? And have I been making exceptions for those things that don't belong in my life? Let's just be honest tonight. Somebody say amen. So back to our, our point as far as the poor me mentality. Have you and I been more preoccupied with sulking and not celebrating lately. Looking at everything that is wrong and awry in our lives instead of celebrating what is right and what is provided. In the parable of the prodigal, I see a choice that must be made. In Luke chapter 15, verse 25, it says, Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew close to the house, you know what it says, that he heard what? He heard music and he heard dancing. And he called over one of the servants and, and asked the servant, what does this mean? And the servant said unto the older brother, your younger brother has come home. Your father has killed the fatted calf. And because 
because he has received them safe and sound. The Bible says that the older brother was angry and he refused to go into the party and cause the father to come out and talk to him. What I see is a choice that must be made. You can either throw yourself a pity party or you can throw yourself or enjoy a resurrection party. The father said, your brother, your, my son, he was dead, but now he's alive. We could either celebrate a resurrection or we could sulk in a pity party, but you cannot do both. Somebody say amen. That's why the Apostle Paul said, you've got to learn to rejoice with them that rejoice. You've got to learn to celebrate with those that are celebrating. The sun may not feel like it's shining in your life, but you know what? It's shining somewhere, and you're going to find where the sun is shining, and you're going to celebrate with those that are celebrating. Rejoice with those that are rejoicing, and see what God has done and what God is doing. Because I can promise you this, God has not stopped working. God has not stopped performing miracles. God has not stopped pouring out his spirit listen we may we may feel like things have been shut down but heaven has not been shut down God is still pouring out his spirit people are still being born again people are still being baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sins and people are still being filled with the Holy Ghost and you know what I say as the pastor of the Refuge Church? Let's rejoice with those reports as we hear them because one day, and that day is coming, we'll see people right here in Rock Island at the Refuge Church being born again just as we rejoice with those that are rejoicing over it somewhere else. Someone say amen. Amen. What expense will we spend in an effort to rebuild Jericho? Someone say Jericho. Are the, are, is the direction of my feet planted and pointing in a direction of rebuilding the very things that God has given me victory over? I stand before a group of people, I speak to a group of people that no doubt many of you, most of you have experienced great victory in your life, a Jericho style victory, where God has allowed you to cross into a promised land Sure, that promised land, the enemies aren't just going to turn over the promised land. It's going to be a battle. There's going to be a war. But you know what? God has already promised the victory. And some of you have crossed the Jordan River. You have seen victory in your life. And there are some Jericho walls that have come down in your life. Someone here has a testimony of what God has done. There have been walls that were up that came down and you got victory. Walls that seemed insurmountable. Cities that seemed undefeatable. But God has given you victory in your life over things that people told you you'll never have victory over. But be careful because with a poor me mentality, you will find yourself in a direction that looks like rebuilding Jericho. Rebuilding Jericho. You see, Jericho is that first city that the Israelites came to when they crossed into the Promised Land over the Jordan miraculously. And God gave them the victory. But because it was the first, someone say the first. Because it was the first, guess who it belonged to? It belonged to God. Because God deserves first and he told his people listen it's mine it's mine it's mine 
If it's yours, if you take what's mine, it, it will be a curse to you, and you'll become a cursed thing like it. It's mine. Never rebuild. In fact, Joshua told the people in Joshua 6.26, Joshua adjured them at that time saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that rises up and builds this city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates thereof. You will read in the book of 2 Kings where there was a man that decided he was going to rebuild Jericho. And can you imagine what happened? When he started building the city, the Bible says that he took the life, it took the life of his oldest son. And when he finished rebuilding the city of Jericho, guess what it said? It took the life of his younger son. Imagine that. It happened just like the prophecy said it would. But somehow, when we fall into that poor me trap, somehow we forget what either God has said or we think that he didn't mean what he meant. Don't try to rebuild the things that are dedicated to God. Don't try to reclaim the things of your life, those prideful things that were dedicated and belonged to the Lord. In fact, if you go on, we find in 2 Kings chapter 16 and verse 8, 2 Kings chapter 16 verse 8, King Ahaz took the silver and the gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house, and he sent it for a present to the king of Assyria. Ahaz, the king of Judah, found himself in trouble. And when he found himself in a difficult place where it seemed like there was no way out, do you know what he gave up first? Do you know what he used to try to buy favor and protection and bribe his enemy? He took the things from the house of God that were dedicated to the Lord and he gave those things first as a present to try to buy favors, protection, and bribe his enemies. Some things, hear me Refuge Church, some things should never ever be on the table of negotiation. Some things are never meant to be on the table and up for negotiation to try to reach a compromise with the enemy of your soul. I have a saying that I, I try to live by with all my heart, and that saying is this, the most important thing that I could ever do on any given day is spend time with Jesus and His Word. The most important thing, I don't care what you've got on your calendar, I don't care what you've got going on tomorrow, the most important thing that you have going on tomorrow or that should be going on is you spend time with Jesus and His Word. Don't put those on the table of negotiation. Yes, things will get hard. Yes, the enemy will seem large. But don't put those things on the table to try to bribe your enemy, to try to win favors. Because what is he doing when he pulled those things that belong to God and gave them over to the enemy? He said, listen, I trust your favor more than the favor of God. 
My time in the Word is not up for negotiation. My faithfulness is not up for negotiation. My tithes are not up for negotiation. Listen, if it is income, if it is increase into my life, you better believe it. I don't care what kind of pickle I get myself into financially. You better believe that my tithes are not on the table. They are not going to try to win my enemy over. They're not trying. Listen, I can't. I can't make it with 100% of my income. And I definitely can't do it without God's favor. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to honor the Lord with what belongs to Him. It's not up for negotiation. Somebody say amen. You might ask this question, why are you, why are you causing so much trouble tonight, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Because in 1 Kings chapter 18, listen carefully, 1 Kings 18 verse 17, it says it came to pass when King Ahab Obviously, I've been spending time in the book of First and Second Kings. First Kings chapter 18, verse 17, it says, It came to pass when Ahab, that wicked king, who was married to Jezebel, does that ring a bell now? When Ahab saw Elijah, who was Elijah? That prophet, that preacher, that man of God. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said unto Elijah, Are you he that troubles Israel? Are you the one that's causing so much trouble? He was calling Elijah a troublemaker. What did Elijah say in response? Me? I? I'm the troublemaker? He says, I've not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house. In this way, you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. And you have chosen to follow a false god. Isn't it interesting when we're half backslid, when our heart's not right, when we've been offended, and we all have, when we've been offended and we ain't feeling quite par, somehow the finger gets pointing towards the preacher's direction. It's his fault, the messenger's fault. But the prophet, the man of God said, listen, the words that I'm telling you, they're not your problem. It's your spiritual state. It's where you've been living. It's how you've been choosing to ignore and disobey God's word for your life. We've got, we've got to realize that the troublemaker is not the man of God. It's not the word of God. It's not God. God's not the one causing the trouble. But the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the way of a transgressor is hard. If you're going to choose to live in contradiction, in opposition even to the Word of God, guess what? You guarantee it's going to be tough. Now you might say, listen, I've tried the whole living for God thing with 100%, 110% pastor, and that was tough. But this is a different kind of tough. Anybody hearing me now? I'm talking, listen, yeah, living for God, it's going to get hard at times. Living for God, it ain't for wimps. It ain't for quitters. It ain't for people that have chosen to live for God just at the spur of the moment because they saw someone. Living for God is for people that put some army boots on. Living for God is for people that put on the armor of God. 
that raise up the shield of faith and take up the sword of the spirit and put the helmet of salvation on. It's, listen, it's a place for warriors and soldiers. It's people that have some steel in their backbone because they know what they believe. Offenses will come. Trouble will come. Persecution will arise. Living for God, listen, it can be hard. But it's a different kind of tough than the way of a transgressor. The way of a transgressor is tough because like Paul found out, it's hard to kick against the pricks. It's hard to work against God. Listen, at least when I'm fighting the devil, I know that his doom is already sealed and I win in the end. But does anybody know what I'm talking about? When you're living a half-backslid life, one foot in the church, one foot out of the church, not praying, not spending time in the Word, doing things and making exceptions for yourself. Listen, that kind of living, it's tough. The way of a transgressor is hard because you feel like you're being pulled in two different directions and you know that where you stand is not sturdy ground. And God forbid he should come back tonight and God forbid I should be lost for eternity. Listen, it's a trouble, it's a difficulty that has no hope, that has no promise. But I thank, I thank God for the hope that I have where I could stand flat-footed and say, you know what, I know that I'm not perfect, but the one who I'm following is perfect. I know I don't have the strength, but in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. I know that I can't make it on my own, but I've got someone who's in whom I trust and in whom I believe that's going to carry me all the way through. Somebody say amen. Woo, hallelujah. Listen, it might be tough. Oh, I feel like preaching right now. It might be tough living for God. It might be tough looking different, dressing different, talking different, acting different, not going everywhere everybody else goes, not watching the same garbage everybody else watches, not listening to the same stuff everybody else. Listen, you might stick out like a sore thumb, but I'm telling you what, you've got a hope in Christ that you shouldn't trade anything for. You've got a hope in heaven that you shouldn't trade anything for. Go ahead and stand on your two feet and say with God I live and with God I die but I will stand in the day of adversity what am I what am I trying to do I'm trying to break the poor me mentality that the enemy is trying to seep into your thinking and he wants to get you to throw yourself a pity party when Jesus says listen I was in the grave but I ain't anymore there's a resurrection that's worth celebrating there's a resurrection that's worth celebrating and you've got to make a choice I said you've got to make a choice hallelujah hallelujah bronze Bronze will never be gold. First Kings chapter 14, it says it came to pass in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and he took away the treasures of the house of the Lord. Notice again, what's the enemy want? Notice again, different place of the Bible, different king, different enemy. What's he want? He wants what belongs to God. He wants what belongs to God. When Daniel's enemies came against him, what did they try to steal from him? I'm telling you, the enemy wants what belongs to God. Give God the glory due unto his name. Give it to God. Even when it doesn't say it makes sense, even when it's not logical, give it to God. Give it to God. Give it to God. 
your time, your talents, your treasure. Give it to God. Your lifestyle, your holiness, your separation. Give it to God. The enemy wants it. Why does he want it so bad? because he knows what makes you separate from all the other people of the world he knows that it's what sets you aside from everybody else he knows that it's where your strength is it's where your hope is oh and so the enemy comes and he takes the treasures from the house of the lord and the treasures of the king's house and he took it all away watch this and the king of egypt took the shields of gold that Solomon had made. Solomon was Rehoboam's father. We're not talking about 14 generations removed. We're talking about the next generation. The next generation after Solomon, Rehoboam, he finds that the shields of gold that his father had made were taken. And watch this, verse 27 of 1 Kings 14, it says, And King Rehoboam made in their place bronze shields and committed them under the hands of the chief of the guard which kept the door of the king's house. When you and I lose gold and replace it with brass, the spot might be filled, but you will never be satisfied. The gold, the gold of an authentic walk with God, the gold of true worship that's in spirit and in truth, the gold of godly fellowship within the body of Christ, I feel like pausing there right now. There's nothing like fellowship with the body. Listen, I've got folks that aren't born again yet, and we ought to be friends of sinners. But there's nothing like fellowship with the body of Christ. Fellowship with men and women of like precious faith that have been born again of water and the Spirit. People that stand for truth. There's nothing like that kind of fellowship. The gold of godly fellowship with the body and the gold of genuine joy that can only be found in his presence. Listen, it could never be replaced with bronze. It is a poor imitation. You could take brass, you could take brass and you could polish it and you could make it look like gold. It reminds me of being in high school days. That was a long ways ago and it's getting further away. But it reminds me of high school days when you got your friends and they've got that imitation gold chain it's a dead giveaway leaves that ring right leaves that ring it's usually it's like a greenish ring around their neck you ain't fooling nobody you may have fooled me when I was standing a distant away but now that I'm closer I see the difference because of the mark that it leaves but listen, even beyond that, it may visibly look similar. When you polish that brass real high polish, it may look very similar. But there is a big difference in the weight of it. You may fool the eye, but you can't fool the touch. When you handle gold and when you handle brass, it is totally different. The weight of gold is significantly more dense. It's about 19.3 grams per centimeter, while brass is 8.5 grams per centimeter. Listen, when you pick it up, you could tell the difference. When you handle it, you could tell the difference. And you may 
may fill the void that has been left because some things have been taken from your life that were belonging to the Lord that you should have kept devoted to God and you could try to fill them with ungodly fellowship and ungodly entertainment. You could try to fill your time with all sorts of things but I can't find myself one backslider or one person that has substituted the things of the kingdom of God and a godly walk with, with the Lord. Listen, there's no substitute for those things. It may fill the space, but it will never satisfy the soul. The poor me mentality will begin to forfeit the things that belong to God, forfeit the things that were genuine and that were authentic and we'll begin to make exceptions and excuses, but there are no substitutes for those things that God has called our lives to. As we stand together, I believe that the Lord would like us to take some time and pray and in response to this message. Maybe you'll stand and pray, maybe you'll kneel and pray, but I believe that God wants to pick us up out of the poor me mentality tonight. And he wants to move us to a woe is me mentality. The scripture we began with is 1 Corinthians 9, 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. The apostle Paul, though he had preached the word throughout all Asia, he had gone on three missionary journeys. He said, I haven't done anything that great. There's nothing that deserves great glory or great accolades. We refer to him as the great apostle Paul. But what Paul communicates in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, he says, it's what I had to do. It was what was needful. It was what was required of me. It was my reasonable service. He said, in fact, if I didn't preach the gospel, woe is me. I'm committing a serious offense if I keep my mouth closed or if I choose not to live out the transforming power of Jesus Christ in my life. Woe is me. Would you close your eyes for a moment and I want you to consider all that I've preached up to this point, this combating this poor me mentality that will motive, move us to make excuses and exceptions and will move us away from the things that are true and lasting and authentic and genuine in our walk with God. But somebody needs to realize that God doesn't want us to be so inward that we forget that we are called and commissioned to reach the world with the saving, the only saving gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you the danger that I can fall into is becoming so inward focused and so focused on the woe and the, the hurt of the poor me that I realize that I don't realize that there is a world around me to reach. While 2020 has been an exceptional year in the first six months, 
To be quite honest with you, I really don't expect things to really ever to return to normal. Sure, I could hope for it, but I don't know what lies ahead. And what I see on the horizon is the soon coming of Jesus Christ. And I see the signs of the end times continuing to increase and not decrease. And woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Woe to the refuge if we do not evangelize our community. One of the greatest hazards that we need to be aware of with the poor me mentality is we get so self-focused that we don't celebrate when the prodigal comes home. Prodigals are going to come home and we want to be in the house that they go to. We want to be the ones celebrating their return. And we have got to realize that God is calling each and every one of us under the sound of my voice to be radical, to be ones that transform our environment. Don't sell out. Don't pull out now. Begin to pray with me right now. I feel the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Begin to pray with me and ask the Lord to move on our hearts. Someone make a, a recommitment to holiness, to godly lifestyle. Someone make a recommitment, a covenant with the Lord that says, you know what, there's some things that I've been making exceptions for that don't belong in my life. I laid them down a long time ago and I don't intend to rebuild them. Come on, don't rebuild the walls of Jericho. Don't rebuild Jericho. At what expense will we do that? At the loss of our own children, at the loss of our eldest, and when we're finished, at the loss of our youngest. Don't preoccupy yourself with rebuilding the glamorized walls of Jericho. Leave Jericho in God's hands. Don't try to substitute the gold of authentic relationship with Jesus Christ with the brass of counterfeit, counterfeit religion. Go ahead. If you need to kneel down and pray, we've got just a few minutes before our kids make it back in the room. Come on, we got a few minutes. Go ahead. Take some time and just pray. Take some time and speak words to the Lord. If you don't know what else to say, if you don't know what to say, maybe you should just try answering these questions. Where have you been praying? What have you been praying? How long have you been praying? How have you been talking to the Lord and what has He been saying to you? If you don't have any good answers for that, say, Lord, I'm going to make up my mind. The most important thing that I'm going to do tomorrow is spend time with you. I'm going to make sure that nothing gets in the way of it. Come on, how many want victory? How many want to live victoriously? God doesn't just want the refuge to survive. God wants us to experience revival. God wants us to experience an outpouring of His Spirit. What do you say? Let's come with expectation this Sunday that someone's going to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's come with expectation this Sunday by bringing somebody with us to the house of the Lord and believe that God is going to pour out His Spirit among us. We're going to see people born again.
Go ahead and lift up your hands. And I wonder if you could begin celebrating God's provision. That God has kept you and sustained you. He could have snuffed out our lives. You and I, he could have taken us out a long time ago in our sin. But we're here by the grace and the mercy of God. His goodness and mercy has followed us all the days of our lives. And we ought to clap our hands. We ought to lift our hands. We ought to lift our voices and thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his sacrifice sacrifice his death his burial and his resurrection thank you lord bless the lord oh my soul bless the lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless your holy name bless your holy name